0: Warning, censorship. Warning, censorship. Warning, censorship. Warning, censorship. Uh, other people.
1: Hi, everybody. Ezra Levant here. How you doing? Happy Monday. It's August 9th, and every day at twelve noon we do a live stream. Uh, we used to only do them on YouTube, but then they got really, really uh, handsy with our content. Started censoring things, even suspended us for a week, demonetized us. So we're very mean. Uh, we're basically an auxiliary of the Democrat Party in the United States and Canada's Liberal Party. Very censorious, very uh, malicious, um, double standards, all that. So we have expanded our live streams to three other platform forms: superyou.net, rumble.com, and odyssey.com, each of which are interesting in their own ways. We haven't abandoned YouTube even though they have abandoned us, because what I really care about at YouTube is the 1.47 million subscribers we have there. YouTube wants to come between us. 1.47 million people positively said, yeah, we want to hear from Rebel News. So we don't want YouTube to come between us. So we still do live stream there, even though they censor us viciously. Like right now, for example i 'm looking at the YouTube stream here. We have one point four seven million subscribers, and yet apparently only one hundred and ninety six people responded to the notification bell is that Is that realistic i don 't think so. Only one in ten thousand people who said, "Yeah, I want to hear from the rebel. want to hear from the rebel they 're throttling us, but enough talk about YouTube. I want to talk about the world and we've we have like I say, Odyssey, Rumble, and superU and um, we have learned the importance of diversifying our vulnerability to big tech oligarchs like the awful people at YouTube. Um, hey, do you ever get a headache? That's a ridiculous question. I, I, I would imagine every single person in the world at one point in time has got a headache. Uh, some people get them all the time. Some people get migraines. Some people say their headaches are related to the change in the weather. I'm guessing that's a barometric uh, pressure kind of thing. Um, Of course, you can get headaches for the hangover, get stress headaches, you can get headaches for lack of sleep and lack of uh, water. Um, There are a lot of reasons to get a headache, and uh, most of us don't make a big deal about it. We just take an aspirin or Tylenol or Advil. Um, Is it a political moment when you get a headache? Well, here's Rachel Notley the leader of the NDP in Alberta, former premier, she says, person on my staff was dealing with a bad headache. Okay, sorry to hear about him. Take some Advil and um, thanks for the tweet. No, 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 she's not done. They were around others and you don't want that to, if you've got a headache, stay away from me, you got a headache? Whoa, six feet, buddy. You got a headache? Get away from me. Girl germs, girl germs. Like, that's, that's elementary school girls' rooms, cooties kind of stuff. They were around others, so naturally, that's my favorite word in this whole tweet. person on my staff was dealing with a bad headache. Okay, how, like, was it like their afternoon activity to deal with it? Someone says, Ezra, how do you deal with a headache? I just take some Advil. So the dealing with the headache, you know, just get some Advil and get a glass of water, and you've dealt with it. No, no. Uh, this is an NDP union member, so they were taking several hours to deal with it. person of my staff were dealing with a bad headache. They were around others, so naturally, I mean, of course. Of, so of course, they got a COVID-19 test just to be safe. It, it's a headache. It's a headache. And then there's a follow-up tweet, because it's very important news. Thankfully. Phew! Whoo! Oh, that was a close one. It was was negative. But what are their options or tools to keep others safe? Come one week from now, what if she gets another headache? There are no other options slash tools. Test, trace, isolate. That is what reasonable Albertans want. Is that what you reasonably, is that the definition of a reasonable person? Hey, how are you feeling today? Oh, it's okay. I got a bit of a headache. Whoa, back off. Put on your mask. No, it's just, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah I was up late last night and I had a couple drinks. You've got a headache? Stay away. You, you're going to get that thing tested, right? What, what do you mean tested? You're going to go get a test, right? What, what are you talking about? Well, you just said you're dealing with a headache. That's where, I mean, you can have a headache, but if you have to deal with it. Yeah, I just took an Advil. Um, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm dealing with it. I took the Advil. Should kick in in half an hour. No, 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 no. You got to go and get that thing jammed up your nose. Well, that's going to make my headache worse. No, no, no. Naturally, the thing to do is to track and trace and test and maybe, maybe give a blood sample too. Can we get a vax for the headache? Excuse me, officer. Can I get a vaccine for headaches? Yeah, give me the experimental one. Give me one done by Sinovax or Sputnik. Um, You know, since the advent of Google, when everyone can Google their own uh, medical malady, I think it's created a generation of hypochondriacs. That's a fancy word for meaning people who think they're sick all the time and think the smallest thing is a sign that they're going to die. Now, by the way, sometimes, you know, the old saying, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. That's a joke. And you could say just because you're hypochondriac doesn't mean you're not sick. So there is some value to being able to go online as an amateur and sort of see, in layman's terms, what you have. But you don't want to make the mistake of doing homemade medical doctoring any more than you want to make the mistake of homemade lawyering. Um, yeah, you know, seek what information you can get. But then, th- you know, could you, imagine, could you imagine someone saying, I had a headache, so I got a COVID test. I stubbed my toe. Boy, my toe hurts, so obviously I got a COVID test. Uh, I was feeling a little, I had, I had Mexican so I was, uh, food for dinner, so I'm a little gassy. Okay, you, do you want to take a COVID test? Um how how is that not medical misinformation? Put that tweet, I just want to read it one more time. That word naturally does so much lifting, so much heavy lifting. Um person on my staff was dealing with a bad headache. So uh, yeah, whoo, whoo! Been there, done that. Whoa. Is she okay? Thanks for tweeting about it. 509 likes. Whew. But here's the thing. That headache person, they were around others. So you have to up talk it. They were around others. So naturally, they got a COVID-19 test just to be safe. Is that what you naturally do? Yeah, that's um, if that is your, if that is your science, is that if is that is your hair trigger for throwing the province back into lockdown. Uh, you are not normal. Uh, you are an authoritarian who is not using common sense, but rather finding any excuse whatsoever to lock people down, and your staff having a headache. Uh, you did this whole performance art of getting a test, and then look. If if you want to take the day off work, just say so. Like it's summertime; it's it's nice out there. Oh, I, I got a headache. Okay, here's some. There's some Advil in the kitchen. Like we got some Advil. We got a little office here. We got Advil uh, in in one of the change rooms near the bathroom. If someone were to say, "Oh, I got a really bad headache," oh, I'm sorry to hear it. I got a, I got some Advil. There's some Advil there. You know, there's a Seven Eleven down the street. Go get some Advil. No, man, I'm really dealing with it. Yeah, just take, take some Advil. There's extra strength. No, man. But don't, I don't, naturally, I got to go and get tested. What, what are you talking about? No, I got a headache. So I'm, I'm going to now book a testing, get in my car, go to the hospital or whatever, push aside other people who are there for less important reasons, and I got to get tested. Let's read some super chats on i'm sorry i just can't even believe that that is being taken seriously hyper chat from juice boost you should be putting those full videos youtube won't show on the three other platforms with a separate intro and outro might as well get used to migrating away from the screw tube because now they are gunning hard for even centrist voices the answer is we already do without youtube warning we put that at the front of the live stream because it's being uh, broadcast on the four simultaneously but if i'm not mistaken every video we do goes up on all four platforms and the YouTube warning is only on the YouTube platform. And some things we don't put up on the YouTube platform itself. For example, Avi Yamini sent me a note uh, last night saying, is this YouTube safe? And we obviously put that up on all three other platforms, but there's certain things that YouTube is so malicious That if you say anything criticizing the World Health Organization, they'll take you down. So uh, we don't want to self-censor, but we don't want our YouTube channel spiked. So we put the good stuff on Rumble, Odyssey, and Uh, SuperU.net. SuperU, Mog, amazing that so many feel that this is a sane way to be in the world. I got a sliver, ow, you know what, I got a sliver, it might be COVID, I might catch COVID. Can you catch COVID from a sliver? Um, I'm dealing with this now. Uh, excuse me. I'm dealing with this. I'm up talking. And I have to get a COVID test naturally. It should be you devil's advocate. Facts, reasoning, common sense are all things of the past. Yep. Yeah. On Rumble, on the bit next time my knee goes out, I'm going to get a COVID test. Yeah. Flatulence, COVID test. That's a fancy way of saying farting. On Rumble, Hollywog, if someone on Notley's staff gets a headache, I recommend isolating them in their apartment until 2030. Can never be too careful with these things. Yeah, I think, what are you doing going to get a COVID test? You, you know you have the symptom, a headache. Go, you, why are you not quarantining for two weeks and anyone else exposed to the head And uh, do you have a headache passport? I'll work on that. Rumble, joyful from the heart. At the schools, if a child coughs, has a slight sniffle, they were sent home and all the siblings would be also sent home. They would have to quarantine two weeks to get the COVID test. I don't even think sniffles are, are a symptom. Justin, can you call up symptoms of COVID? I know it's a respiratory thing. That means lungs, right? That means breathing. It's in your lungs. It's, it's like a flu. Um, I don't think it's in the sinuses. Can you pump that up? Okay, so fever, dry cough, <coughs> and tiredness. Okay, so Less common are aches and pains, sore throat, diarrhea, conjunctivitis, headache, blam, 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 headache, a loss of taste or smell, a rash on the skin, discoloration, serious symptoms, chest pain and pressure, loss of speech. So do you see what, it, like sniffles aren't in there, right? Do you see that? Like sneezing, that's a sinusy thing. This is a lung thing, I think. Now there's some other symptoms there. But do you notice there's no, am I wrong? Have I missed it? There's no, there's no, uh, wh- and what page is it? What's the authority of this page here? Okay, so Government of Canada, there you go. So it's, if you got the sniffles, like I, I sometimes sneeze, it's allergies or a sinus thing. It's, it's not, it's not, that's, not a, that's not a symptom. Sneezing is not a COVID thing. So when you say kids were sent home for two weeks, because someone sneezed. That's, uh, that's what we call junk science. All right, well. Man, I'm dealing with a headache. Hey, can I get that uh, paper that we need today? Can I get the document signed? Um, we're on a deadline. Can I get a draft by noon today? Dude, I'm dealing right now. You're dealing with what? I'm sorry. I've got a headache right now. Okay, have you taken the Advil? Uh, No, I'm not going to take the Advil. What are you, some sort of granny killer? I've scheduled a COVID test. If it's that thing where they uh, jam it up your nose, I don't think that's going to make your headache feel better. Have you had one of those jam up your nose tests ever? Me neither. Me neither. I haven't had one. So I'm just guessing, but that can't feel good. Um. The good news is, our moral betters, the sophisticated people, like not not dummies like me, but I'm talking about fancy people. They can get together because they're sophisticated in how they do it. When you and I get together, we're sort of dopey, ignorant, don't know what we're doing, but the sophisticated people... They do it a little differently. And uh, I want to show you a New York Times reporter. It don't get fancier than that. That's sophisticated. You know, they're sophisticated, and then they're sophisticated. This is a sophisticated New York Times fancy pants on the fanciest network, CNN, talking about, look, this virus, it only goes after you dummies. Take a look.
2: Said, you know, this is really being overblown. They're following all the safety precautions. People are going to sporting events that are bigger than this. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd, and and this is just about optics. It's not about safety.
1: All right, Annie Carney, thanks so much. Uh, We'll see how it plays out. Uh, Good talking to you. So what are they talking about? What's she talking about? Who are these sophisticated people who are getting together um, that is not as bad as people just going to some sporting event? Ooh. Well, I don't know if you know, but um, The Chosen One turned 60 um, this past week. Obviously, I'm talking about Barack Obama. And uh, so he had a big party DJ posts stealth pics of Obama's epic birthday party before being forced to delete them. That does look sort of epic. Do you have the picture... The Daily Mail probably covered this really well. The massive tent. Like, he's got this enormous property, Obama. It's quite something, considering he really had very modest jobs before being president, and now he's really got a billionaire lifestyle. I don't know where that money came from. Oh, well, I'm sure it's, yeah. So he set up this massive party zone that's his house on the left there. And then he set up all these party like the house is not big enough. He had hundreds of people. looks like any more pictures like this? And um, can you show me the picture of John Kerry, um, Joe Biden's climate Czar, arrived for the party in a private jet, because he's John Kerry. I mean, he's sophisticated. So not only is he so sophisticated that he doesn't have to worry about, about uh, yeah, there we go. So that's John Kerry getting off a of private jet. Uh, yeah, click on that Daily Mail link. You see that one right there? Got it. Chrissy Teigen was there, John Legend. Because uh, Don Cheadle, I don't know, that other couple there. What's that? Basketball player. Okay, there's. uh, So look at that massive, massive property and all those catering trucks. You keep scrolling. Daily Mail is, that's his house. And then they were building like the tent for the party. That is Barack Obama's house. And they're building the, the party tent or whatever next. So yeah, keep scrolling. These are great pictures. Gorgeous property. He's de facto a billionaire. Yeah, they're not wearing masks. Why would they wear masks? What do you think? They're sophisticated. Like, like seriously, there's no masks there, are there? Now, by the way, I wouldn't wear a mask either. Um, it's outdoors. I'm not sure. If, yeah. So, John Legend, Chrissy Teigen. What's funny? Oh, they got masks there for the photo shoot. Uh, What's funny is that... um, Who's that? Hunter Biden's ex-wife. Jeez, that's awkward. Who are these people? Hunter Biden's daughter. I think he's got kids by three different moms. Who's that? Is that... um, Stephen Colbert, yeah, because uh, Don Cheadle, right? I like Don Cheadle as an actor. I just can't stand when these guys start giving me their politics. Anyways, so um, it was a huge party. Look at that property. Huge party. And there's a bit of a backlash. So they said, okay, we're going to pair it back just to close friends and family. Um, Yeah, like on Cheadle, and you know, uh, did they pair it back by even a single person? I saw a headline that, um, who's that guy from Crib Enthusiasm? Larry David was cut back. Maybe that's just a joke for an episode or something, that he was the only person who was cut back. Um, we have some video, actually, of the party. I, I tweeted, did you have that video clip by Erica Badu? Because, of course, Erica. Badu is uh, close, close friends and family. Take a look at this. <laughs> I think, um, I mean, Barack Obama is half black and half white. I think he dances like a white man, if I can say that. Like he, he is, uh, or he's like when Eddie Murphy, remember, you know, when Eddie Murphy plays a white man, like when he starts to talk like this, that's, or, um, that's Barack Obama. Anyways, you can see they're having a great time, huge party, dance party, no masks, no social distancing, uh, no such thing as bubbles, just flying in private jets. Yeah, some people wore a mask when they were coming in, but there was no masks in this party. Um, but don't worry about it. Because you heard the New York Times and Jim Acosta from CNN. You don't have to worry about this crowd because they're sophisticated. Don't be stupid. Those people are sophisticated. Unlike, say, I don't know, some blue collar guys who are riding a motorcycle. How unsophisticated is that? That's a super spreader event. Getting together. And dancing and singing and hollering, no masks, people from all around America. That's not a super spread event. That's sophisticated Americans showing you how your life can be one day if, you know, you bide your time and if you go get a COVID test if you had a headache. But if you are some low class mere citizen, I don't think you're sophisticated enough to to handle this virus. Here's Anthony Fauci on a big uh, bike motorcycle rally. Take a look. You've brought up uh, regionally the South, but out uh, in the plains, in the Great Plains, we have Sturgis, South Dakota, is gonna be, there's a gathering right now of some 700,000 people. Last year, it was a smaller turnout and it was over about 150,000 people and and it led to a massive outbreak in the Dakotas where they became number one and number two Uh, for essentially the rest of the calendar year of cases. What do you expect this rally to do to that part of the country? Well, I'm very concerned, Chuck, that we're going to see another surge related to that rally. I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's understandable
0: that people want to do the kinds of things they want to do. They want their freedom to do that. But there comes a time when you're dealing with a public health crisis that could involve you, your family, and everyone else, that something supersedes that need to do exactly what you want to do. I mean, you're gonna ultimately be able to do that in the future, but let's get this pandemic under control before we start acting like nothing is going on. I mean, something bad is going on. I mean,
1: we've gotta realize that. Yeah, I mean, look, Barack Obama and his friends, are sophisticated. What don't you understand about that? Erica Badu is close friends and family. Stephen Colbert is, you can just see the, the, the resemblance between him and Michelle Obama. They're, they're family, surely, right? Close friends and family only. They're sophisticated. John Kerry flew in his very sophisticated private jet. Not like those bikers. By the way, does that not look fun? That, uh, that Sturgis... Rally. I mean, I'm not a motorcycler, but if you like motorcycles, what an amazing get together! Like, it's that's probably the greatest motorcycle rally on earth. Like, did they say? Did they say seven hundred thousand? Did I? I don't even know how that could possibly be. Like, that's just such a staggering number. Even if it's one tenth that, that's got to be the largest motorcycle rally in the world. Talk about fun! There's got and there's got to be so many different groups. Like, there's a whole world. We don't. I don't know anything about this. Maybe you know about this. Um, I have, I have friends who do long distance motorcycle rides is like their vacation. Like they take a mu- and they like, and what a great way to see the countryside. I, when I was a teenager, I, I bicycled through part of Europe and you wouldn't guess it. Cause I don't look like I'm built for bikes. And those, especially those very hard banana seats. I had like them make a little couch. Like I had a modified, like a little couch seat kind of thing on my bike very aerodynamic okay let's be honest halfway through i just threw the bike on the train got to the next town before everybody else said well what took you guys so long me and my couch bike we've been here for hours but the the great thing about taking a bike and i can imagine it's even better on a motorcycle is you see everything you don't miss it you're not going by at 100 kilometers an hour on a highway a train is lovely But you go on a bike or a motorcycle, what a great way to see the the countryside and you can stop anywhere for a bite or for a vista. It really is a great way to live. Um, I say that based on my tiny experience of riding a motorcycle like twice in my life. But actually that bike trip is what informs me. But no, no, no. How dare you unsophisticated people ride your motorcycle in the fresh air? And by the way, they're socially distanced as if that's a thing. But Barack Obama and the sophisticated people can dance in a hot, sweaty tent because they're just better than you. Know your place. And, and I, you, you know, the South. The Sturgis route. The oh, South, the South. They're the worst in the plains. And I understand that Lollapalooza, the big, you know, uh, hippie folk fest kind of... Yeah, that's, that's Lollapalooza. Was that in, was that in uh, Chicago? Look at that. Now, by the way, good for them. That's living again. That's how life was in the before times, right? That's have the fun to go to a concert. Don't you think? Not a mask in there. Good for them. You know, it's been a while since I've gone to a rock concert. But it is fun. Who else is there? Who else is there? And who are you sitting next to? And are they dancing or singing? Like, it's part of the experience. It's not, if you want that... Isolated experience, you'll sit on your couch and watch it on TV. We've all done plenty of that the last 18 months, thank you very little. Want to be amongst people. No, 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 not unless you're sophisticated. Boy, that makes me mad. Let's read some more, let's read some more super chats. Um, History Club World, May 2020, I stubbed my toe hard on a rock. It hurt a lot, so I did a symptom checker. It said COVID might be a reason. I knew that was crap, but now I realize that if it weren't for COVID, I would be at school, wouldn't have walked in that rock. Chuck Silver, do not get the Fauci ouchie. Rocks for Northeast, all crew members of a UK Navy ship got two doses and tested negative before boarding. Seven weeks later, they have about 100 cases. Can you find that um, Israel triple dose? There's there a headline, I got it from uh, Alex Berenson, it was from the Times of Israel, maybe you just type in Times of Israel, third shots, COVID or whatever. So Israel is one of the most vaxxed countries in the world. They, re, they were one of the first and they're w- um, one of the highest percentage of double vaxxed and now they're doing the triple vaxxed, if you can believe it. And, so, and according to this Times of Israel story, 14 Israelis who got third shot, later infected with COVID-19. Limited data not enough to draw conclusions on boosters' effectiveness, ministers said to fight over potential lockdown restriction exemption for shuls. That's a way of saying synagogues. So... Um, 14 Israelis who got three shots got the COVID. But it's not enough to draw conclusions on the booster's effectiveness? Uh, Yeah, maybe not enough for you, but uh, I think I've just drawn some conclusions. Scroll down. Let's read a little bit of this story. 14 Israelis have been diagnosed with COVID-19 despite having been inoculated with a third COVID-19 vaccine dose, according to Health Ministry data reported by Channel 12 News on Sunday. According to the network, two of those infected after receiving the booster shot have been hospitalized. So that's serious. That's not just, I got a headache, I'm dealing with my headache right now. I like up up talking. I just immediately feel whinier, but also, you know, like it's a force field that if don't, don't bother me, you're being problematic. Don't you see my pronouns? Hello. Just add a question mark to everything. I'm dealing with my headache. Naturally, I need the day off to go get a COVID test. Naturally, put it back. Let me read some more from that Times of Israel piece there. According to the network, blah blah blah. It was not immediately clear whether the 14 contracted the virus before or after receiving the booster such sporadic instances would not be enough for medical officials to draw conclusions as the third doses general effectiveness in fighting off the delta variant of the disease says who says you 11 of the 14 cases were over the age of 60 and the remaining three were immunocompromised individuals under 60. the network said "Well, why are you giving immunocompromised people the virus vaccine the two that were hospitalized were over 60 Some 420,000 Israelis have been administered a third booster shot so far. Well, then obviously you need a fourth booster. Duh. Just like you double maskers. What, you want to kill grandma? Triple mask it. Murderer. Meanwhile, in the Sunday meeting, government ministers fought over the prospect of a nationwide lockdown during the upcoming high holiday period amid surging COVID-19 cases, according to leaks published on Hebrew language media. Reports on Channel 12 and 13 and elsewhere said Education Minister Yifat Biton, who has courted controversy by calling plans to vaccinate students in schools a crime, said during the cabinet meeting that the option of lockdown must be taken off the agenda. So you got triple boosted now and you still want a lockdown. Maybe you got, cr- you know, just get, just d- unbelievable. She said such talk was leading to economic instability and, quote, people are anxious for their livelihood. You don't say. We have seen the charts. It doesn't matter whether countries impose lockdown or not. The mortality charts look the same. Morbidity, morbidity, that means being sick. Mortality means dying. Intelligence minister. Now, we need more intelligent ministers. And if you're not intelligent, at least be a minister of intelligence. Elizar Stern concurred, we need to eliminate the word lockdown from our lexicon. We are causing people to live under threat. Okay, he is an intelligent minister. If I were ever a cabinet minister, I would want to be called the, the Minister of Intelligence. Now a lot of people would say that's like calling that's like in Orwell, calling the Ministry of War, the Ministry of Peace, and the Ministry of Propaganda, the Ministry of Truth. But I would love to be called the Minister of Intelligence. And anytime someone contradicted me, I'd say, look. Which one of us is the minister of of intelligence? I, I mean, everyone would want you on their Trivial Pursuit team or your trivia team. Hamad Amar, a minister in the finance ministry, noted that Australia is currently in its eighth lockdown, yet cases are still on the rise, claiming that lockdown isn't a solution. The ministers emphasized the need for a lockdown and the importance of talking publicly about a lockdown before imposing one. I also don't think we should intimidate the public, but the truth is that reality is frightening. Public Security Minister Omer Barlev reportedly said, the worst situation is not to mention the word lockdown and then in four weeks come to a lockdown. We need to tell the truth. It's in the hands of the public, Barlev added. Apparently, meaning that increased public awareness and care for health regulations could stave off closure. Also, in Sunday's meeting, Social Equality Minister Mayrav Cohen was reported to join ministers' protests against excluding synagogues from new restrictions on gatherings under the revived Green Pass system. What a mess Israel is! Starting Sunday, that's yesterday, gathering is of any size. Indoors and out are limited to those who have been vaccinated, recovered from the virus, so at least they respect natural immunity, or who present a negative COVID test, so you can't gather at all of any size. While the plan originally included synagogues and other houses of worship, these were eventually exempted in prayer services with fewer than 50 participants. It hurt to read about the coronavirus cabinet's decision to exclude synagogues from the Green Pass, as if we did not learn a lesson from the previous waves, Cohen said. I think that whole country is in an absolute and total mess. And boy, were they held up as the role model, weren't they? The fastest, the bestest, the mostest, the vaxest. Now they're triple vaxed, and they're getting it, and they're talking about another lockdown. What's the bloody point? What's the bloody point? That's the worst story I've read. Because that's the madness They obeyed their public health industrial complex. Wow. Now they talked about Australia's eighth lockdown. (laughs) You know, there's different lockdowns in different states, so I'm not sure how they calculate that, but the state of Victoria is awful. There's wonderful beaches in Australia. You know, um, the virus is almost exclusively transmitted indoors. It's not an outdoors virus for a whole bunch of reasons and really one of the safest places to be is the beach. Outdoors, sunshine, nice breeze, you're not coughing on people, you're typically spaced out on the beach from other people, you know, huge beaches in Australia. And the, you know, our friend Avi tweeted this saying the Australian media is an enemy of the people. That's exactly right. The media in almost all these countries is goading on the governments to bring in harsher lockdowns. Take a look at this. Oh, the, uh, the um, why don't we find beachgoers go- beach clip. Sorry about that. I sort of caught Justin by surprise. Here, take a look. Here's this clip from down under the media. Warning,
0: censorship. Take a look. Warning, oh, we need another
1: I'm referring to the, okay, we got a little bit of a technical problem. Don't you worry one bit. Um, I want to tell you that every week like I, like I follow a lot of sources I follow Alex Berenson on Twitter um, he's a New York Times best-selling author who's become a bit of an amateur expert at this stuff and I don't think he pretends to have any medical knowledge but he just compiles knowledge from experts it was from him I saw that uh, Israel story oh here we, we've got that Aussie clip, take a look
0: uh, these are daily warnings at these press conferences
1: alone. Is it time that if somebody's sunbaking on a beach, they just get fined regardless of whatever their excuse is? Do we need to get harsher in those beach areas that Manly, like Manly and Bondi, that, that don't seem to be taking it as seriously as the rest of, uh, the, rest of the city? I think the, uh, the fact that the penalty infringement notices continue to go up uh, every single day is disappointing, but it's a reflection on New South Wales police attitude towards people that uh, do not want to comply with the public health. Order. Hey man, do you want to just find anyone you see till they get the message? Come on. Come on. Why don't you just find anyone on a beach? That's the media. No wonder they are so hated. In Australia in particular, you know, our friend Avi is doing so well down there because he's one of the few voices that dissent. The media really has murdered their reputation during this whole lockdown, and they are so untrustworthy. In Alberta, (coughs) and True North had a little story on this, they've been toasting and fetting and promoting this emergency care doctor named Joe Vipon, I think is his last name, (laughs) this guy cracks me up. He poses for photos like, if you're, if you're a doctor in your, in your emergency room or whatever, you should be wearing, I, I think they're called scrubs. Like, it's your, it's your surgeon's uniform. And if you want to have your, your mask and your goggles on, you know, knock yourself out. But if you're doing some, if you're playing TV doctor and you're from home or in a studio and you put on your scrubs and your stethoscope and your mask and your goggles, for show Mm, you just might be a tv doctor more more than a doctor doctor yeah there he is (coughs) is that a that's a that's a scrubs top i think i think i can't tell if that's a stethoscope but you know no i don't it's probably just a microphone Um, so this is from true north how can we trust experts when they moonlight as political activists Dr. Joe P- Vipon of Calgary has been promoted as the voice of reason by much of the media. Um, of course, he's a, a massive donor. I think about $20,000 he's donated to the NDP. So good for a true north. Yeah, scroll down a little bit. Yeah, there he is there. He's always, he's just doing interviews dressed like a doctor much of the time, he's got his full face gear on. Yeah, $20,000 to the NDP between 2014 and 2019. He just loves playing doctor on TV. And why not? There's this whole class of doctors who were heroes in their little, you know, maybe the heroes to the patient, heroes to the co-workers, heroes to the nurses. But now they're playing to a much larger audience and they don't want that to end. They do not want that to end. Um, (coughs) Adam Wanders, we love Rebel News, actual news, thank you Watts, I should say. Anyways, I was mentioning, I follow Alex Berenson, um, I follow Jordan Schachtel, I'm just mentioning names of people I follow on Twitter who are interested in this stuff, and there's one guy who only does a video a week. Not a lot, is it? Like some of these other people are doing 10 tweets a day. But (coughs) he's so thoughtful about it. I wait all week to hear what Neil Oliver has to say. Who's Neil Oliver? I only got to know Neil Oliver a couple of months ago with the advent of GB News, a new UK all news channel. Nigel Farage is a star over there. Andrew Neil was the founding editor in chief, although I haven't seen him on lately. They've got some great people on there. They've got a free speech segment. They've got an anti-cancel culture segment. They have just some great... G- it really is my favorite channel. I mean, I like Tucker Carlson a lot. Um, but GB News, I just think pound for pound, it's the best commentary out there. And you don't even have to care about the UK to love most of their stuff. Mercy Moroki did a great video today about Black Lives Matter. And maybe if we have time, we'll, we'll go to that. I'll dig that up for you, but um, here's Neil Oliver. He does these monologues are about five minutes long every time, and I, it's the combination of his eloquence, his accent, which I like, his look, but he's so, he comes up with turns of a phrase, but it's not just the aesthetics, which I really like. He really boils down the issues to their essence. He's a smart guy. Can I play for you, um, Neil Oliver? Let's play a fair chunk of it. Let me invite you to download their app at GB News. I have no connection to them. I'm not, I don't work for them or anything, but I just am such a booster of them. I think they're great. Here's Neil Oliver. Take a look.
0: The government and the scientists want 16 and 17-year-olds to have the vaccine. I won't let my children be vaccinated. My wife won't let our children be vaccinated. Not while we have breath with which to say no. I've read over and over again that children face a tiny threat from the virus. The vaccines have been rolled out under a form of emergency use authorization. The vaccines are new. We do not have, cannot have, not for years yet, data about the long-term effects of injecting those products into the still developing unformed bodies of children and teenagers. It seems to me, and to many, Experts included that the potential threat to teenagers from the vaccines must be greater than the threat from the virus. As I must always, I concede that that is how I understand what I have read and been told by the government's experts from the beginning. But it's not only about science, is it? I don't want to venture any further back into the science of it all, the claims and the counterclaims. By now, it is, anyway, beyond that for me. For me, it's about ethical behaviour and also morality. The balance of risk between virus and vaccine is contested. Some will argue it is worth giving children the jab. Essentially, for me, it all boils down to one question. Do I want to stand behind a wall of shields borne by children? My answer is no, I don't. For me, there is no war into which I would enlist children, not for any reason. In my understanding of parenthood, indeed of adulthood, the children stand behind us, safe from potential harm for as long as possible, in the centre of a circle made of adults facing outwards. Adults for whom the most precious gift on earth is the privilege, the honour and privilege, to stand between those children and any possible danger children can be brave are often braver than adults but this fight should not be theirs this story played out over the last year and a half and likely a long long way from finished is touching now on epic themes the rights of the individual freedom children there are polarized views about who has the meaningful say on those rights that freedom our children. We are all being made to choose to take sides. Some choices, I think, are deliberately being made easier than others. I'm still getting letters, more and more, in fact. The addresses on the envelopes are still fun, but the contents are growing harder and harder to bear. More and more people are writing about good and evil, about the search for light in the dark, about fear even dread of the future. I find them harder and harder to read, but I read every one, and I always will, because it's an honor to receive them. Most heartbreaking is the palpable loneliness of so many people who have coped as best they can for a year and a half, but who are running low on hope, if indeed they have any hope left at all. I say to those people, hold on and look up and ahead to better days. It shouldn't be like this for so many people in this country we share, so much overlooked loneliness and hopelessness, so many people bullied and made to feel bad just for being alive in the world. For what it's worth, I want to say to all those people who have been in touch with me that none of us needs to feel alone, not really, and at least not entirely. And to everyone, feeling the same emotions of loneliness, fear and confusion and that sense of having been betrayed and cut adrift by those we thought were meant to have our best interests at heart. I say there are millions that will stand by you, shoulder to shoulder. It turns out we were together all along, even though we didn't know it. Though we may not meet in the real world, we are united by the feelings we share. Separated though we are from one another in the flesh, we are still a community, united by common bonds. Within that community there are people who have different opinions and who have made different choices, as is their right. There are those that have taken the injections and those that have not. A recurrent cry from many is that they have, over the years, taken every vaccination and seen to the vaccination of their children as well. Again and again I read about those who simply have questions they want answered and who feel those answers might not be available for years to come. Those feelings of community transcend decisions made by adults about what is best for each of them. I receive letters from care workers, nurses, GPs and others in the health industry and while they've made different choices for themselves They're united by dismay about what might be about to unfold for children. Even though we might not be able to see each other, we are companions. Companion is a word with deep roots all the way down to the oldest languages of all. It really means those with whom we share bread. I wish we could all meet somewhere because then we would see that we're not alone, that in fact we are millions of people standing together. No matter what happens next, we who hold common values, values that we hold dear, we are a community, we are companions, we are family. I will continue to dream about a day when we might break bread together. You know,
1: I learn so much from him all the time. Uh, Sometimes it's his use of the language. Sometimes it's just very simple ideas about that we can't meet together and we can't see each other. Now, of course, Obama and other sophisticated people are allowed to meet each other. Um, Now, the UK, I mean, obviously he's in the UK there, and Canada are different. I mean, there's swaths of America that are open. The only place in Canada that is fully open is Alberta, and you can imagine the pressure on Alberta to collapse that, not just from their domestic activists, but from every other province who doesn't want there to be an alternative. It reminds me of why uh, liberals leftists, like Gerald Butts, Trudeau's right-hand man, seemed so adamant that the Conservative Party of Canada, the Conservative Party of Ontario, adopt a carbon tax. And I thought, well, why do you care? In fact, if you think the carbon tax is so popular, if you think the carbon tax is so right, don't you want your opponents to make the wrong decision? and be anti-carbon tax, and you'll get all the votes. If you think it's a winner, if you think it's a winning idea politically, put aside ideology. If, you, if your job is to get Justin Trudeau elected, why would you want his opposition to copy him on a key platform plank? Wouldn't, wouldn't you want your opposition to go down the wrong path? And the answer is so obviously that you want to remove any dispute, any debate at all about an issue and not have it come up at all so voters have no choice at all on the matter and it's just taken off the debate. That's done a lot in Canada by having courts make highly political decisions and then it's, oh, that's already a matter that the court has decided on, that's closed forever, you can't even talk about that. As long as there's one party that doesn't believe in a carbon tax, Two things happen. First of all, people actually have a choice, if that's their most important issue, and they have the knowledge that they're not alone. And it was always conspicuous to me that Gerald Butts did not want conservative parties to oppose his party on that, because they didn't want voters to think that they were part of a larger movement. They wanted anyone who was against the carbon tax to think I must be the only person in the world who thinks this way. I think it's the same way on lockdowns and <coughs> vaccines, especially forced vaccines. I think if everyone thinks, oh, well, I guess I'm the only one who feels this way. No one else feels this way. I guess it's hopeless to oppose it. I suppose I'll just do what everyone else is. But for that psychology to take over, you have to observe that everyone else is. So if you learn that others aren't in fact that way, not only do you no longer feel like an outcast. But maybe you can do something about it, about it collectively. That's what I thought of when Neil Oliver said perhaps we can meet together. These 700,000 bikers, or even if it's only 70,000, um, <coughs> in Sturgis, they're getting a lot of mutual reinforcement, whatever their views are, that they know they don't have to listen to Anthony Fauci. They don't have to listen to the New York Times lady calling them unsophisticated. They don't care because they know that they're not alone. If, they're, if you're the only person in the world who thinks, oh, geez, I'm the only person, it's harder to fight back. Um, how are we doing for time? 12.53. Um, so I, um, that's, that's GB News, and, and I've said this before. Download the app. GB News is in Great Britain. News It's free, so really there's no reason not to do it. I know that half of what they talk about it will be of no interest to Canadians or Americans or Australians. I know that. But a lot of what they talk about will be like, would you not agree with me that what Neil Oliver talked about there is absolutely of interest to every Canadian and many Americans and many Australians and many Israelis. The fact that he's saying it in a cool Scottish accent just makes it more interesting but it doesn't take away from the universality of his message. And they have some very interesting commentators. um, Inaya and Iman, Mercy Maroki. And Mercy is so, is so young, but uh, she's courageous, which um, sometimes you have a, a lot of courage in a little person, and I, I'm saying that in an affectionate way, because uh, she's tough. Let me show you a clip, and I, I don't know how much of this we want to run, but this is an example of why, I mean, you're probably saying, Ezra, why are you talking so much about another news network? because I know how bad it is in the UK. I mean, I used to report there all the time on Tommy, Rob- Tommy Robinson's trials and it was completely uniform. The pro-censorship media narrative, the media parties is so vicious. So the fact that there is this well-funded, well-staffed, really good network, it's, I feel like it's a miracle and I'm not even a Brit, but I've, I, I know what the British media is like. And all I can say is I hope they can endure uh, here, let me uh, play for you a little bit from Mercy Moroki, who's so smart. And, and listen to her here. Take a look.
2: Now, over the weekend, a police officer was slashed while he was attending a stabbing in North London, just another in the ever-growing list of knife crime on British streets. London is, yet again, set to have a record-breaking year in terms of knife crime last year was a record breaker as was the year before the problem is getting worse so what are the stats on knife crime well since 2010 the number of violent and sexual crimes that involved a knife have gone up by more than 50 percent the number of threats to kill using knives have more than tripled. And this isn't just an inner-city London problem. Surrey, Surrey, for God's sake, crowned as the poshest home county in England, has seen a nearly 600% increase in offences involving sharp instruments over the last 10 years. And let me say what we're all thinking. There's one group in society that is most Involved in knife crime from both sides, nearly half of all murder victims in the capital have been black. That's despite people, black people, making up only 13% of London. And on the other side, nearly half of people charged with knife crimes are black. Often these are young black men running around in broad daylight acting tough with their blades. I've seen the videos, you've seen the videos. I'm not saying knife crime is a black problem, of course, it's not. White people stabbed too, let's just be clear. But when young black men are three times more likely to be murdered than any other group, to ignore the race aspect is completely irresponsible. And you'd think, you'd think the groups which claim to care so much about black lives would be all over the issue, like a rash. But Black Lives Matter, the self-appointed spokespeople for black people globally, although not for me, I have to say, are too busy defacing statues and trying to cancel 18th century white men from textbooks to actually address the real issues affecting black people. You know, like being much more likely to literally get stabbed in the street by another black person. What would actually make me respect Black Lives Matter, the socialist activist group, which people like to pretend is not a socialist activist group, is if they actually for once tackled head on the real issues facing black communities. Of course, I'll inevitably be slated for this, mainly by those on the left who will say I'm playing into tropes about so-called black on black crime, while so be it. I won't cower from saying that when knife crime is on the rise, it means The blood of more black kids is on the streets and more black kids will end up in jail. And quite frankly, if you're uncomfortable with pointing out that knife crime is disproportionately a black issue, then clearly black lives don't really matter to you.
1: So again, the the news peg there was knife crime in London, but the Black Lives Matter issue is just as relevant in Chicago or frankly, Toronto. You know, I uh, I follow uh, different police forces on Twitter. Um, New York Police Department, I follow, they have various accounts, including the uh, um, the police union there, which I really like. <coughs> I follow various British police, just because they have the, the craziest, wokest announcements all the time. They're the ones tweeting, don't say something mean on social media or we'll arrest you. Like, they're just off the hook crazy. Um... I follow Toronto's police, a couple of different accounts. Last night, how many shootings were there in Toronto last night? Like, did, they, did it even stop? So, um, I don't know um, the demographics of those crimes, but um, Mercy makes the point, if, you're, if you call yourself Black Lives Matter, and if both the perpetrators and the victims of knife crime are disproportionately black and you got nothing to say about that, maybe black lives don't matter to you. Now, of course, it's a lot easier for someone like Mercy Moroki to say it than someone like me. But it doesn't mean it's easy because actually maybe it's not easier for her to say it. The peer pressure, the the insults that come at her for not telling the Black Lives Matter line must be ferocious. So I'm just very impressed with, with her. It's just another reason to follow GB News. Um, Rumble, Cicero 2 says, I love to hear what Neil Oliver has to say. Remarkable to hear such truth. Yeah, he's so good. And maybe it's because he only does one a week. So he really, really crafts it. Joyful from the heart. Someone asks, why are children put last? They're made to suffer so much to save grandma. Should be the other way around. Yeah, you're right. Um, what else did I send you there? Did I send you something else? Yeah, let's take a look. Here's a tweet from the Premier of Nova Scotia new a liberal government will be proactive in exploring a provincial vaccine certificate for going to restaurants shops gyms and other businesses scotia pass would allow you to attend events without fear while not putting people's health at risk from dangerous covid variants um, so he, that's the premier of nova scotia now um did we just not like just literally moments ago did we not just learn that from Israel one shot, two shots, three shots, people are still getting, uh, still getting the virus. Did't didn't we, Did we not just read that? So how can the premier make this promi- promise? And uh, how can he promise that you'll be safe? I don't think he can promise that. By the way, uh, in many places, most places in Canada, in the United States, newcomers, new immigrants take entry-level jobs because they don't have the qualifications, they might not have the professional training, they may not have the certification, maybe they just don't have the education, maybe they don't have English skills. So it's no surprise to anyone who's been out in the world that in many places, if you go to a restaurant, Waiters might be of any background, but quite often the back-of-house staff, the the dishwasher, the cooks, maybe new immigrants who don't even speak English well. And it is also a fact that demographically speaking, minorities, including new immigrants, have a lower vaccine participation rate than others for whatever reason. So if you are the premier of Nova Scotia and saying you're going to require restaurants to have vax passports for both customers and staff, you're discriminating systemically against minorities and, and, and newcomers. You just are. That's what the, the left calls systemic discrimination. It's like saying I'm gonna ban all nurses from something. Okay, well statistically speaking, that's gonna have an overwhelmingly disproportionate impact on women than men because there's many more women nurses than male nurses, right, it's just a fact. If you're I'm gonna ban construction workers, you know there would be a gender effect there I mean, i'm speaking like a marxist now more men in construction than women so if you're saying i'm going to crack down on these companies restaurants like he, he listed a few barbershops like really entry-level jobs for people who don't maybe have formal education um, like anyone could be a dishwasher anyone could be a cook you know no not if you don't meet that premier's test and we're going to force the restaurant owners to be the enforcers of that I think there's a lot wrong with that. There's, it's turning restaurant owners, gym owners, whatever, into cops. It's pitting companies against their own customers. It has that systemic discrimination I just described. But mainly, you heard his promise. This will keep you safe. But didn't we just read from Israel that that's not true? It's 102, so I'm going to say goodbye. I'll have a show tonight, more about Barack Obama's party. But uh, I'll leave you with this dog video curated by our friend Justin. I'll see you tomorrow, everybody, on Wednesday.